Good morning. I want to greet each one in Christ's name this morning. I want to welcome our visitors also that are with us this morning. I'm going to try to keep my message a bit shorter as we are going to be doing council meeting this morning. Turn with me to Psalms 139. As you think of preparatory service council meeting, does it make you nervous? Does it make you nervous to think about examining your own heart and mind and life? Are you open to searching today? Are you open to God searching your heart? We're going to read the whole chapter here and then we're going to break it down later. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my mouth, my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell... Behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thy enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred, I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As I said earlier, are you open to God searching you today? Would it make you nervous this morning if one of the ministry or your parents knew exactly what was in your thoughts today or yesterday or what you did last week? What about your spouse? Are you more nervous about one of the ministry 
knowing about your thoughts or your life than you are of God? And why would that be? Two weeks ago, I preached on grace. Is it that we believe that God has more grace for us than our own family or ministry? We have to remember that God is holier than any man. And yes, we should want God to search us and to try us and to shape us and to make us in His likeness and to bring us into holiness and sanctification. But if we would be nervous about someone else in our life knowing about us, knowing our thoughts, we should be even more concerned with God searching us. Verse 6 talks about such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I think sometimes we tend to try to make God into our image, our likeness, our level of understanding. But do we recognize this morning the all-knowingness of God? You think about a, an x-ray or an MRI or some kind of procedure that has the ability to look into the body and try to figure out if there's any issues there. That image, I get one, every two, one to two years, I get an updated MRI to check my tumor, make sure it's not growing. And yet there, there's limitations on what that MRI can see because it's man-made. It's, it's, uh, it's only can see so much. But it is amazing what it can see in the brain. It takes, I don't know if it would be in the hundreds, thousands. It takes many, many different images and splices them all together to give the doctor an amazing view of whatever part of the body they're, they're looking at. And yet God knows so much more than any MRI or CAT scan can show. More than any blood test can show. He not only knows our present condition, He knows what our condition was five years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, if we have been alive that long. And the psalmist here was saying, the knowledge of what God knows and what He can see of me. The psalmist was struggling to wrap his mind around it, to understand it. But yet he tries to. He tries to understand that God knows him inside and out. And then if that makes you fearful, it makes you want to flee, The psalmist talks about that, that we can't flee from God. That not only He knows us inside and out, knows every cell of our body, we can't flee from Him. We know the story of Jonah. I think it's one of the best stories in the Bible where Jonah thought he could 
outrun God. But even today with our jet airplanes or rockets that can go out and out into space, we still can't get fast enough to flee God because He is there. He is here. He's anywhere we can try to go. Verse 17 is also an encouragement. Do you feel condemned today? Do you feel guilty of something? And if you do, you should make that right with God today in the coming weeks. Because as Terrell mentioned, we should be ready for communion at any point. We should be ready to meet God at any point. But yet, the psalmist here also recognized that even though God sees us and knows us, he was thankful for that all-knowingness and care that God has. He says, how precious are also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great the sum of them. The psalmist was thankful of the fact that God knows him. Many religions have gods that are very limited in their knowledge. But our God is not. And we are precious in His sight. And that should also give us strength and encouragement. And then the last two verses there of the chapter talks about searching me, knowing my heart, trying my thoughts, and seeing if there's any wicked way. And are we open to that this morning? Recently in our Sunday school lessons, we looked at the story of Achan. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 7. We studied it in depth, so I don't plan to read every verse of that story. We know the story there of Achan. But I just wanted to read a few of the verses again, uh, picking up at verse 6 of chapter 7. So Achan was guilty of sin. And we are all guilty of sin at some point in our life. We are born sinners. We have failed at some point. In thinking of this story, was there another possible outcome to the story of Achan? And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan, which would have been the wilderness. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? Verse 10, the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. And I'm going to go on then to 
verse 15, And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. Was there another way out for Achan? The Bible here doesn't give us the answer to that. But I've had to think, what if Achan, once he realized that God was judging Israel for his sin, what if he would have repented of that sin at that point? Would his story have been different? What, as the Bible says elsewhere, that God repented or changed his mind or deferred judgment on someone because of their repentance. It seems like Achan waited until the last minute to acknowledge his sin. He could have said something earlier, but he didn't. He waited until the lot fell upon him, and then when he knew he was cornered, then he admitted to it. And yet, I don't really see in this story a repentant spirit that he did it. It was more like a guilty, I got caught. And so I have to wonder that if he had made things right, if he had come forward. And that's often the way it is if someone hides their sin and it goes for years and years and they only acknowledge it once it's made known public. That sin often destroys people, families, and even churches. And so if we have sin in our life, don't wait to be found out. Make it right. Deal with it immediately. I'm thankful we live in an age, in the church age rather than the Old Testament period, where we, there is grace given. It's, it's different than what we see here in the Old Testament where God said, put them to death. Destroy everything He has. And so it's easy for us today maybe to think that we can overlook sin. God's grace will cover it. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to worry, really make it right. But yet, I believe that it's destructive and can destroy and kill. Just as Achan's sin led to the death of 36 Israelites when they went up to defeat, to try to take and conquer Ai, sin left unattended, undealt with, unrepented of will destroy many people. It can destroy a family. It can destroy future generations of someone who did not deal with it. We live in a time and age when sin and repentance is not being taught in many churches. I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I've observed as a taken some short trips in the last month that 
Not that having a cross on your church, we don't have a cross in her church, in, in here, on outside, on a steeple or anywhere. But many churches 20, 30, 40 years ago had some kind of thing on the outside of the church that made it clear who they were attempting to follow. And today there's many times churches are don't look any different than a movie theater or a local community hall. And the message they often have outside is love and and, uh, acceptance. And we're missing the point that we must also acknowledge our sin and repent of it not to receive God's love. We, God's love is there before that, but we also cannot ignore it. An idea that's gaining popularity today is that sin is just missing the mark. How many of you have ever heard that? It's just missing the mark. I don't know if you feel like it's biblical and if you want to come up, talk to me or meet me later and challenge me on this, but I think it's a little dangerous. There's there's some truth to it that let's say we have a bow and arrow and we're going to go out and shoot target practice and we have a target set up. And we shoot 100 arrows and two of them hit the target and we're like, ah, I just missed the mark. I just missed the target a little bit. But I believe we have people today who are, if you had a tree in, a, a target on a tree in the woods and two or three arrows were in that target, they have thousands of arrows laying around on the ground because they're not even really attempting to follow God or to be in His will. But because of this idea, well, I just, I missed the mark. We need to be careful that we don't just sell ourselves short or excuse our, the sin in our life. God is a holy God. He loves us, but He hates our sin. 1 Peter 1, 15-16 says, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Another thing that is that I hear today, and I believe is Satan's tactic for downplaying sin in today's church, is highlighting the fact that sin causes shame. And that is true. Sin does cause shame. But the response, instead of dealing with the sin that caused the shame, the idea is often given that, well, we just need to love ourselves and try not to feel shame. So they, they deal with the shame rather than dealing with the sin that caused the shame. And to me, it's a lot like if you um, did something that caused you pain and you got angry with the pain and said, I just want to deal with the pain, but you never wanted to deal with the, th- the issue that caused the pain. Shame is a symptom of the sin. 
pain is a symptom of a mistake or a poor choice, bad behavior or something that we did. I I want to acknowledge the fact that shame can be caused by other people's sin. We can have people who are abused by someone and they feel shame because of that and often that shame is unwarranted. But there's also shame in our life that comes from our own sin. We should never sit there and try to deal with the shame instead of dealing with the sin. 1 Thessalonians 4.7 says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So let's not avoid the shame. Let's not try to avoid the shame, but rather deal with the sin that caused it. I just want to look again really quickly at 1 Corinthians 11, which we usually look at each council meeting. And this is where we get the teaching for communion, but also for examining our lives. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. And I'm going to stop there. We don't want to take communion in two weeks unworthily. We also don't want to die tomorrow of unrepentant sin. The consequences are dire. As it says there in verse 30, that there are many weak and sickly among you. The same can be said today in the church that of America that many are sick and weak because of a lack of Examining their lives, searching their lives. So my closing challenge again to you is the verse 23 there in Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. The Lord bless each one of you. Hope the message was a challenge and a blessing to you.